0: Welcome to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I am the podcast creator and host. And I am always grateful that you took time out of your day to listen to this episode or to listen to any episode, whether you are sitting down with a cup of tea, a glass of wine, a cup of coffee, a cupcake, vegetables, whatever it is, in the bath, cleaning, doing dishes, driving... However it looks or works for you, I'm just happy that you took that time. I truly appreciate it. So today I want to give a shout out to another wonderful patron. Today's shout out is going to Brittany Achievati. Brittany, thank you so much for being such a wonderful support of the show, of the podcast, an engaged listener. Brittany and I have had some wonderful conversations through Instagram and now through Clubhouse. And I just really appreciate all the support that you give Brittany. A huge shout out to you. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can just go to patreon.com honey, I'm homeschooling the kids to find out more information and to sign up. Or you can just go to the show notes. And at the bottom of the show notes, I always include a link to my Patreon page. And you can just click that link and head straight there. If you are a patron, you receive early access to episodes as well as uploads to any workshops or webinars we have been hosting a monthly unschooling Q&A through Zoom it's a live Q&A and it is recorded and that recording is then uploaded onto Honeyham homeschooling the kids Patreon page for patrons to view at their leisure I also include other downloads as well. Uh, one, for example, is Home Educating with Purpose, which is great if you're just starting out and you really want to get centered on what you want and how to lay out your family's learning needs in life, or if you've already been home educating or unschooling for a while and just want to get refocused on what your values and beliefs around learning and living are. The other thing that you probably just heard me mention when I was thanking Brittany for being a wonderful patron is Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, come and find me. You can find me through my name, Robin Robertson. I host weekly rooms on homeschooling, unschooling self-directed education if you are not on clubhouse and are really interested on in getting on the platform just contact me dm me through instagram or facebook or send me an email or message to the website if you're interested in getting an invite i've been sharing invites with honey i'm homeschooling the kids listeners so now back to the show and who i interviewed today today my special guest is heather mctaggart And Heather, I really described as a disruptor. And I think this fits with the next couple episodes that I'll be featuring because they all seem to center around the theme of disruption, whether it's disruption in education or disruption in systems that I think we've all just really become so used to, we've actually kind of stopped questioning them. Heather McTaggart is a social entrepreneur, educator, author, innovator, and consensus builder. She began her career in the private sector, where she held senior marketing and management positions, but it was also through her leadership that she left the private sector and formed Classroom Connections, which was a grassroots resource for schools that became a social enterprise dedicated to educational transformation. Classroom Connections is now a respected source of leading-edge, government-sponsored training curricula in use across Canada and around the world. And along the way, Heather and her team also designed practical, life-changing programs to engage at-risk Indigenous youth. So through Classroom Connections and then the revolutionary Change It Up platform, Heather, and serving as the Canadian Deputy of the 21st Century Learning Initiative, Heather consistently inspires groups to enthusiastically support innovative change in education. Most recently, her most exciting venture is Unschooling School, which, with the support of an international cast of diverse and free thinking academics, promotes a quiet revolution which will permanently alter the systemic rigidity of schooling. Unschooling School unleashes the freedom to learn in a thoughtfully considered but bold encounter with stale and traditional teaching methods. So, today in this episode, we explore Unschooling School and the dynamic and most likely disruptive force it's going to make in the education system. Okay, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Today I have Heather McTaggart on the show. Heather, thank you for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Thank you, Robin. It's very nice to be here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm excited to talk. I know we've talked briefly before and I know a little bit about you and your life, work and mission is something that I completely love and am aligned with. And I think it's going to be a great opening and introduction for those that might be new to your work here on the show. So I'm really excited that you're here. So maybe we can start with you telling a bit more about yourself. I know you're a strong advocate for self-directed learning, but has this always been the case?
1: Mm, If I'd known the term, it probably would have been the case since I was seven years old. Um, when I entered, uh, public school in kindergarten, they said, oh, this child is brilliant. I told my mother I should skip to grade two. But once I entered uh, did grade one, that was not terrible. But then grade two was a disaster. And they realized, nope, she's stupid. She won't read. She doesn't know numbers, letters. This child is a big problem. And I guess because um, partly just the way I came into the world, but also because I had a very loving, supportive family. Um, I thought, you know what? I'm fine. There's something wrong with the rest of this.
0: Even at seven, you felt that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. And it it was actually... I have to say,
0: that is amazing. That is so wonderful. Okay, continue. Well,
1: you know, and I think the part of the problem is is that not everybody's like that. Because mostly when when people say there's something wrong, there's something wrong, you know, people take it very personally and it becomes damaging to them
0: yes
1: yeah and i i don't know i somehow came in with an extraordinary sense of no i'm okay (laughs) and um now there were a lot of struggles and i was teased and bullied and all kinds of things um didn't uh never really did well in in k to 12 somehow scraped my way into university loved my psychology classes decided to major in psychology and got straight a's
0: What do you think the difference was in that, struggling for so many years in K-12 and then getting into post-secondary and excelling? Uh, choice. Choice mm. and
1: interest. I got to choose the subjects, the, the courses that I was most interested in. I, I chose to go into psychology. I originally started was going to start in business. And, um, you know, I could take the classes that I wanted. And it was something that I, I was very interested in. And even when, you know, to get a psych degree, you have to do stats. And I was mortally afraid of failing stats. So, I, but I was so driven to do well in it that, you know, I showed up every, for every class early. I stayed late. I did all the work. And then the profi- professor hired me as a research assistant. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the brain will learn when you have a need for it to do so and, and a drive. And whether that drive is innate interest or, uh, you know, I've got to figure this out for a very good reason, then it'll cooperate with you.
0: Right. Yeah, it absolutely will. So going back a little bit, I just have a question and to maybe get a bit of clarification on those years that you, you know, because it sounds like such a big difference when early on they told your mom, you know, she's brilliant, she should actually skip to grade two. And then it seems like it's a a total about turn as to what they were saying. And they said, you know, you can't do this. She's, she's She's not meeting these expectations. And you, you said you struggled all the way through to grade twelve. How did your family approach that for you? Did they just say, you know, just keep on going, and we just still support you? You'll be done soon. Just bear with it. Were there other options that you could look at? Like how how was that for you through that entire journey of twelve years?
1: Um, you know, my mom. Um, I, the reason they thought I was you know smart or bright in, in kindergarten is because I was of course I mean I was bright articulate outgoing you know engaged curious you know all the things that a, a little kid should be it's just that my my brain did not compute um words and numbers and letters and you know I'm I'm, I'm dyslexic although they didn't seem to <clears throat> diagnose it in those days uh, then and um you know, so it, it was obvious in a lot of ways that, you know, she's not, there's not severe problems. But but the way the system handled it was like, you know, this is a really big deal. And if we don't figure this out, you know, at one point somebody told my mother that I, I might be institutionalized. Really? Um, yeah. Which I didn't find out until there was a short television show done about, what, about Classroom connections, and, and my mother was interviewed, and she told them that on national television. And I said, Oh, thanks, mom. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, yeah, so I guess it was pretty serious. Um, and I have a, a weird ability to not remember bad things very well. So, you know, I, I I remember distinctly despising school, you know, and liking the very odd thing in it and the very odd teacher. I did have, um, a, you know, what would now be called a resource teacher who was assigned to me when I was young. And <clears throat> we were living in Vancouver at the time. And um, And her name was Heather. And she said to me, well, I have a secret. My name's Heather too. And you can call me Heather when nobody's around. <laughs> and that that meant a lot. And as we know now, of course it did because learning and relationships are so important.
0: Yes, absolutely yeah. tied. Yes. Yeah. And
1: so I felt very special. and And I felt really loved by her. And so, you know, eventually she helped me along the path and I, you know, did learn to read somewhere around grade five or six. Um, but, you know, in that bond stage and I, and I actually have visited her as, as an adult. Um, but the, you know, I mean, my my parents, my parents were very supportive and, and said, basically, you know, you can do whatever you want in your life. You know, just just do what you have to do to make the school thing work and and you'll get there. Um, it, it was tough for them because neither of them had had that kind of thing. My mother was uh, very academically inclined and my dad had been fine. Um, my, but the brother that came after me was fine. And then my, my second brother, um, was the same, probably magnified. And he, he did not have the same attitude that I, that I was blessed with. And he was, he was, and is still very damaged by, by his experience at school.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. So then with all of your lived experiences from K to 12, those of your siblings as well, and then going into post-secondary and really loving it and doing well because you were interested and motivated, how does that affect your values and beliefs now when it comes to learning and education and even the institution?
1: Well, it's interesting. I... It has been always obvious to me that, of course, you're going to learn things that you're interested in, and I really could only learn things that I was interested. Some some people seem to be able to force themselves to to learn things that they're not interested in, and it took a great deal of effort for me to do that. And uh, I, you know, now of course we know, looking at brains learning, that brains learn when they're interested, when they're engaged, when there is a value in them learning something. And, and this made perfect sense to me. So when I, when I started seeing my, my children, especially my second daughter, having some of the same challenges that I'd had at school, I thought, okay, we've got to do something about this. The school looks almost the same as when I went. Um, it's not the, you know, there's no dunce cap and you're not put in the corner, but everybody knows what the learning center is. And it is not where they put the smart people. And you know we've really got to we've got to look at how do we do something different about this. So I guess it, 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 that's what it, it created in me is a sense of something needs to change. Mm,
0: right. You know, actually, I haven't even asked you. Did your kids go to school all the way through?
1: Unfortunately, they did. I had. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd give me an honest answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I had figured out enough that when my kids were little, I had started Classroom Connections, and my idea was to change the education system. Try to make it something that, you know, would would be more flexible so that more people could fit um, as opposed to a one size fits all. And I thought the way to do this was to develop really extraordinary uh, learning resources and provide them free to schools across the country by getting other organizations, groups, governments to pay for them. And, and that is what we did. And now why we provided some outstanding curriculum, like a, a full series called Cultivating Peace, which was in answer to 9-11. And you know, won awards. was shipped around the world. Was was uh, analyzed and said, if a teacher teaches this, they will become a better teacher, because the pedagogy, the method of teaching in it, was so good. Problem is, that doesn't change the system, and that's kind of what I was hoping. So, you know, I was in a situation where um, I had been divorced, and my kids were very young, so I was the breadwinner, so I couldn't really stay home, and well, I absolutely could not stay home, and. And I thought working to change the system was my way to to you know make it okay for my kids, and and my first daughter just learned to read like immediately by osmosis before she even went to school. So I thought, okay, this is all great. Now if you know if it'd been the other way around, I might have tried to how do how do I reorganize my life to to homeschool. But it it just it wasn't really on the radar for for me anyway at that at that stage. Which I I I would say it's. It's so one of my regrets. I wish I had just homeschooled them and and unschooled.
0: Mm, okay, yeah, because your kids are adults now. Mm-hmm. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not little anymore. They are not. They
1: still need their mummy, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they do. We, we always need our mummies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it never ends. Parents. Yeah. No,
0: <laughs> it does not. It does not. <laughs> but the interesting thing now is is between you know the time when you were going to school and your kids were going to school, the time you know even you know before the times that I was going to school, there are some changes that we're seeing now. I think pushed a lot by our current circumstances with covid this past year you know even more it, there are there's talk that right now this is the era of disruption that we're going mm-hmm. through that many mm-hmm. things are being disrupted all around us and one of the things that is most likely going to take place is a, is a disruption in education do you think that that's possible or do you think do you see any shift or disruption happening in education
1: I see a lot of people talking about it and I've always heard a lot of people talking about it. You know, when I started classroom connections in 1997, every single conference I went to was about education reform and education change and education updating and education for the 21st century. And they have, well, while there have been changes, I would, I would call them window dressing. They're not substantive, substantive changes in how we actually do it. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't individual classrooms and individual teachers and also some really creative schools where they are doing great things and they are aligning what they do with how the brain works and what kids need. So there are some phenomenal examples out there. But the system, by and large, has changed very, very little. So there's certainly talk of this now. I think that there's some openness to some creative things. Um, I'm on a call in a couple of weeks with a school board that is looking at inviting homeschoolers to register with the school and be able to take some classes um, in a virtual way. And that is sort of going forward next September. So that's wonderful. Um, so, you know, there's things and kids having the access to online or in person and that kind of thing. some changes, but, but those are not real structural changes you know those are not putting kids in charge of the learning and creating a great environment in which they can do that mm. and and that's really how we were born to learn that's you know children are driven to figure the world out all they need is love and support and an enriched environment within which to do that
0: right right yeah children, having children in charge of their learning that's pretty uh, that's a scary statement for some people
1: yeah, they're very scary for some people. So to go back to your question, though, I think that the way that COVID could provide a huge opportunity for change is if us parents get together and get organized and say, yeah, we want to go back to something different. But when we mean different, we mean really different. We mean kids having choice. We mean school being a service, a public service. We mean schools, you know, being community centers and places that everybody in the community can enjoy and use and really opening things up and and places where children learn through play because play is kids work. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, with every year that goes by, we take out time for play we put in more curriculum you know now we're curriculumizing kindergarten and preschool and even though there's an acknowledgement it's play based but then there's oh but there's there's outcomes so it's it's a bit of double talk but I, I think if enough parents say you know i've seen my kids at home learning and i've seen that they're they're bored a lot of the time and there's they're doing things of no interest and they're not paying any attention so why are we doing that when they have all these under, other interests wouldn't it look Wouldn't it be so much better to allow them to follow their passions and then be supported in that?
0: Right. Yeah. So what do you think is parents that need to step forward more and request that or try and help make that change as opposed to those within school or educators?
1: Well, the the truth is it's actually a combination of everybody. Um, But people within and there are educators already that are agitating for change on the inside. And there are teachers that are that are doing the right things anyway. Um, but they are part of the structure. And so it is hard for them to really move on their own without the powers that be saying so. And and I mean, this is, and, and I think we're probably getting into this, but I'm going to just say it now that, that the reason that we started this, this movement to called Unschooling School um, is to give parents the idea of, hey, this is your education system. It's your child's education system. Use it the way it works for your family. Let's turn around, let's turn around the hierarchy structure and not be afraid. Oh dear, we have a parent interview. We're so afraid that they're going to say bad things about our kid. Who cares? Stop <laughs> that. Stop that. It's your child. You know your child better than anybody else. Don't, don't let the system tell you that. You know, and I and I do say system because I do think there's so many loving, caring teachers out there, and I'm, I'm not teacher bashing in any way. Nor am I public education bashing, because I do think public education is incredibly important because not everybody can homeschool, and and we all and it, it's also great for you know socialization and kids getting together. We just need to adjust the way we look at it.
0: Right. Yeah yeah it's interesting because i i know some would say but school already is a community service school is the hub it is a place for kids to get together and socialize or it is the place for you know for parents to send their kids and have that support in the community but the difference is is that we send them there but then everything, every aspect of their life, which the majority of their life is spent in school, in that system, is mm-hmm. absolutely governed and managed by other people that are not, you know, their family or have really, you know, maybe they're their teacher who does have a relationship with them in the classroom, but it's a lot farther arm's length than that.
1: Yes. And and it is about control. Yeah, It is about control. It is about standardization. Every Every aspect of of the way we have structured school is like a machine. You know, as as Sir Ken Robinson said, it's it's the most important thing about a child is their date of production. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we're having five-year-olds together, six-year-olds together, seven-year-olds together, eight-year-olds as though there's something terrible that would happen if kids mixed with other ages. For for most, for 99.99999% of human experience on this planet, we have been in mixed-age groups and kids from once they were sort of weaned at the age of four played with other kids until mid teens. And that's what they did. And that's how they learned how to be an adult in their, in their society because they played at being an adult mm-hmm. and they played with mixed age kids and, and learned from each other. That's, that is our sort of normal and natural way to do it. And the idea of um, grouping kids by age taking uh, areas of study and dividing them up into subjects, into their smallest parts and periods and having cells and bells and all of these um, false and mechanistic structures of the system, Those those are the issues. Teaching something is a great idea, as long as you've got the consent of the learner. Offer classes, see who walks in, see who walks by the door.
0: And who chooses to take them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So so can you, like, because we've talked a little bit about unschooling school. Can you delve into more of the specifics of what this initiative and movement is so that parents that are listening get a clearer idea of what it means to unschool school? It's not just, you know, taking your kids out of school and unschooling, but it's actually utilizing the resources and community of the school. But I know there are some fantastic ideas and steps through Unschooling School that you're creating. So can you talk a little bit more about the specifics of that?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. So the the backup to this is unschoolingschool.com. So so take a look at that because all the information is there.
0: And I'll put that in the show notes too.
1: Okay, great. But you, you've encapsulated the central idea, which is let's use our schools in an unschooling way. So let's, let's let, let children have consent about what they do and do not do at school and, and to help them to understand and to let them know, hey, you're in charge of your own education. You're in charge of getting of, of, of learning what the things that you need to learn. So if you want to go to this class or you want to go here or there, that is up to you but you need to be considered and respectful of the other people that are in this building. You know, it's I, on the website, we have a whole section with, with great uh, freedom comes great responsibility. <laughs> so, um, and the, and the way we have termed this is that, you know, we have made room in our, our school system for, for people that need an individual education plan, people who the system has deemed have a learning disability or an issue. And um I, I can say more about that at a later date, but um, we, we have made these accommodations and, and people that have that can get an individual education plan that that sort of talks about what accommodations and adjustments are going to be necessary. So what we have um, stated on the unschoolingschool.com website is that children and families can, can designate themselves free learners and a free learner is somebody who has said, I am taking responsibility for my education, and I will respectfully and nicely opt into the things that I'm interested in and want to do, and opt out of the things that I don't. And on the site, we have created an, an P, a free learner individual education plan, uh, there's some pre-work to it where you, you sort of either the child on their own or with the family sort of says, what, are, what do I want school for? What am I interested in? What do I want to do? What do I want to opt out, opt out of? Do I want to go on field trips or do I not? Do I want to participate in active, extra careers or do I not? Do I want math? Do I want science? like What are the things that I really want? And to sort of fill out that list and then from that develop, um, you know, work on developing an IEP, which, by the way, has a box that says, and I include the right to change my mind on any of this mm-hmm. um, because what you might want it for filling one of these out and at 16 might be very very different things mm-hmm. so uh, and then there is space for the parents to comment on this and to make their wishes known there is space for the school to acknowledge that they have received the uh, free learner IEP and will do their best to um, accommodate and then there's space for community members to provide support so you know, maybe your child has had the same doctor for years and the doctor knows that this this is a person who really should be in charge of of their own life. I endorse this, you know? Maybe it's the grocer you've always gone to. Whoever, there's people in your community that are, or or for example, maybe your child is absolutely crazy about dogs and wants to be a veterinarian. So maybe the local vet says, you know, if, if your child's a free learner, and um, doesn't have to be at school all the time, they're willing to, they're ready to uh, come and apprentice with me or just uh, hang around and learn about what it's like to be a vet, they can do that. So mm-hmm. I support them being a free learner.
0: Because you also even have, if they go all the way through, you have a free learner diploma as well. Yes. So what what we've set out there is kind of a, a
1: school-leaving protocol. And and that, we think, should be based on when the individual youth, has, says, you know what, I am finished. I, I think I have learned everything that I can learn in this building and with this group of people. And I have a plan for where I want to go next, and here's my plan. And here's how I know that I have the the skills, the experiences, and the networks to make that plan happen. And, uh, and here's a portfolio. So it is sort of like a collection of, of proof." That and it may include classes, you know, some people may decide, okay, I want to go to university, probably the easiest way is I just get all my grade, uh, I get six grade 12 credits, and I do it. And I'm going to go right away. But some people might say, No, nope, you know what, I'm going to take open university courses throughout my school experience. And then I'll collect enough that I can transfer into the university of my choice. Or some say, I want to go around the world and volunteer for a year or two. And here's how I know that I'm ready to do that. Because whatever it is that you're going to do, you need to be ready for it. And there's different there's different skills and different uh, experiences and people that you need to know to to be able to make that happen. So it's a it's a personal, we're now starting to refer to it as a as an individual school leaving plan. Mm,
0: okay. So I, I actually think we I need to back up a little bit here too for or even for the listeners as well, because we jumped into unschooling school, which is a phenomenal idea. I think for some, I don't think for a lot of the listeners here, but for some others, it might be a bit radical, <laughs> you know. For right. some. so, but then it's like, okay, so Heather, how did this even come about? Like, how were you <laughs> saying, okay, you know what? This is what we need to do. This is the initiative we got to create. This is how we can change things. School is a service to the community. Have it opened all, but have free choice? How did this even evolve into what it is now? Well, yeah,
1: well, I wish it had evolved a long time ago. But the, <laughs> the, uh, the way that this happened was, as I said, I started Classroom Connections in 97. We made education resources for over 10 years, well, more than that, but there was 10 years we spent doing that and realized, okay, this is not creating systems change. So we had the idea to work with First Nations communities doing alternative education and showing that other things can work. And so we have done that for the last 12 years, and we have had phenomenal success with a program called Change It Up, which is now um, being put into uh, a kit that other communities, not just reserves, but other places that are working with, with people that are not where they want to be in life and would like to get somewhere else. And it's a set of tools that helps you do that. Um, and that, again, that changed lives and is is solid, solid stuff, but it's not, it's not changing the system. It's not changing the education system. So I, and I, I spent, um, we, we ran those programs in, in mostly in uh, cheese between Edmonton and Red Deer. And um, for about four of those years, I pretty much lived on the reserve. And then I, a couple of years ago moved back to Toronto and thought, okay, we're not really systems changing here. What else can we do? I know we'll start a self, we'll start a school for indigenous and non-indigenous kids. And we'll be able to do it very alternatively within the public system because it is everybody knows that the regular system is not working for Indigenous kids. Like that is a it's not a, something that people argue about. Yeah. And and in the process of trying to kind of determine the design of that, I Googled hunter-gatherer education. And I found Peter Gray. And my life changed. <laughs> because I I realized this is it. Kids are born to learn. They're born to learn in community. They're born to learn around other people. This is what we're designed to do. We don't teach babies to talk. We don't teach them to walk. In fact, sometimes we try to stop them from walking. It's not possible, like walking so soon when your child tries to start walking at nine months. Um, So, you know, this, it just made so much sense to me. So I, Really started delving into that. I went down to uh, outside of Boston, and I visited the original Sudbury Valley, and I met with Peter Gray, and met with the founders, and and I became convinced that this this model made sense. And then I started uh, meeting with um, all the the uh, First Nations groups in Toronto that I had connected with, and as I described it, everybody nodded their head and said, "Of course, of course, that's how we should do it." And so we were just getting close to well, we'd found a place where we could put school on the um, edge of the city that would still have access to nature. And then COVID hit. And so I thought, well, there is no way to agitate for change in the system right now and to try to fundraise, you know, to get it going at the beginning and, and all of that kind of thing. And I just sort of thought, OK, well, we'll see what happens. And I got a call from a parent who um, was a mathematician at the University of Hawaii being transferred to U of T. And she said, I want to send my kids to your school. And I said, "Mm, it's not going to be ready uh, by the time you get here, which was last summer. And she said, well, my kids have never been to school and I don't want to send them just anywhere. They were six and nine. She'd never sent them to school. She's a mathematician. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, they read and write and do everything. She decided the relationship with the children was more important than them going to school because they, they basically refused, the eldest one refused to go to school. So she just said, okay, fine, stay home. So um, I jokingly said to her, you know, why don't you just find a neighborhood in Toronto you like and send your your kids to that school. Tell your kids, you know, to just behave the way they normally do, obviously. And then when the teacher calls and says, hey, he's not doing homework. And, you know, when we want to move from one area to the other and he still likes the first area, he won't move. And, you know, he's not cooperative. And uh, you just say, yeah, I know. We don't believe in homework. We don't believe in forcing children to do things they're not interested in.
0: Uh, that's just that's just what I'd like. Thanks very much.
1: And, and we both laughed. Ha, ha, ha.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Because, uh, of course, right now I'm thinking I'm like, and then they'll go back to the teachers now and be like, guess, guess the phone call really? I just had. This yeah. parent just told me that they don't believe in forcing their kids to do things and they should learn what they want to learn. And for as long as they want to learn it. Can you believe it? You oh, yeah. know how much that, that would mess up this is going to mess up my classroom and mess up the school? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So then, what happened is I, you know, I went to bed, and the next, like in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, I was lying in bed. I could not sleep, and I got up and I just started typing. What if we unschool school? What if we do exactly that? Exactly what I said to that parent. Have the kids, have the families go along that things with things that make sense, and say no
0: thank you to the things that don't make sense. Hmm. <laughs> it's such a simple concept, really, <laughs> when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, I think you know my the first thing that comes to my mind is okay. We were talking about disrupting education and systems being disrupted. You are a disruptor. I'm a huge disruptor, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I like my uh my daughter once went to a hairdresser that I've been going to for a while and he said to her you know when your mother comes here she just like spreads her stuff all over the place <laughs> and my daughter said I know that's what she does everywhere she goes
0: <laughs> she takes over takes up her space. yeah definitely yeah. absolutely you know what you need and then that's you take it it's good it's good okay so so here we are we're like okay i my kids are enrolling in my kids in school. And so I say, you know, we're an unschooling family. We are we are not supporters of homework. If my kids are not doing their homework, that's fine with me. So mm-hmm. you don't need to call me. It's not a big deal. Uh, they might not even be attending school regularly. That is up to them when they want to come to school or not. Uh, but And there are some times when they love to delve into a subject and they may stay on it for a lot longer than the class is going to. hmm
1: and I give them permission to do that. And the class moves to the gym, and they want to stay on the novel study; they can stay on the novel study, or on the art project, or on the sand table, or on whatever it is.
0: And so the teacher says, "Okay, this is yet you're the parent. This is your child, all right. But what about the rest of the students in the class?"
1: Well, the rest of the students can go along and do whatever the teacher is telling them to do. And if they <laughs> and if they say, "Hey, how come?" To use the, to do the euphemism. How come Johnny gets to stay here and work on his novel study? Then Johnny can say, well, because I'm a free learner. Here. Mm. <laughs> Here's a text. I'll send you a text about free learners. Or here, have your mom call my mom or have your mom call Heather McTaggart. She'll tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that is the idea. We actually have a slip on the they can download a slip that's sort of a slip to give the teacher when they're going to opt out of an activity and a slip to give somebody else to say here. You want to find out why, how you get to choose what you want to do? Go look here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's part of the idea. You know, yeah. what, what we're looking for now is is two things, is brave parents, parents that are disruptors, parents that say, I don't give a flying fig. I'm going to do the right thing for my kid. And if that means standing up to the school, I will do it. And kids who say, I don't care what other people think. I don't want to do X, Y, Z, and if that means they think I'm silly or stupid or a worse word, fine. I'm still not going to do it. That's not everybody. That's a small group of people, and that's who we think are our early adopters, like our, I kind of, tiger moms turned unschoolers. You know,
0: yeah. uh, people autonomous that are autonomous beings. Yes, yes,
1: but the other group. That we think is could really be the beginning of all of this are our homeschoolers, mm-hmm. because homeschoolers have just as much right to use the schools facilities as everybody else. I mean, it, this whole thing that's been created of how it's separate and what we do is you know, it, it's a bit questionable because there's you know there's an amount of money in Alberta. It's around ten thousand dollars that's allotted per child. You know to the school system to to provide that education and and if uh the child is homeschooled then you know it's 800 and 800 and um the parent sees eight hundred dollars of what is a thousand dollars for educating that child but if you decide to be a free learner you register your child in school and the child takes part in the activities that they want and not in the activities that they don't want. Does the rest of their time at home, or volunteering, or in the community, or with a job, or whatever it is that they are interested in, then then it's kind of a win win. So the school division is getting money back, and uh, the parent is, and the family is, and the child is getting all kinds of resources that the schools have. Mm -hmm. So we think that you know where we can find the places that they can look at it and just say, hmm. Yeah, we've got a del- declining enrollment. It would be good if we let homeschoolers back in and gave them a whole lot of freedom. Yeah. And then those homeschoolers—they're used to not caring what the school system thinks, yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is terrific. <laughs> so they'll say, "Yeah, no, we don't need a report card. In fact, you can do one if you want, but don't set it home." And you know, if you need to have some standards to go by, well, take the take the uh, the Alberta homeschooling standards. Go by them. You know, but we're, but just to, to push back on the things and and to do what makes what makes sense for the individual child.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting too because that last sentence that you said as well, what's right for the individual child, and I think that's what has gotten lost in the system is that it's no longer about the individual child; it's about the larger group. So you're doing what's right for the larger group, the larger school, larger division, larger community. And Mm -hmm. so that individual child or those individual interests uh, are overlooked. They're not primary anymore.
1: Well, absolutely. And that, and that certainly comes down to the, you know, the out of control diagnosis of learning disabilities that we've got, you know, every second child is ADHD or, or uh, dyslexic or something. Um, Because, not because we've got this giant, you know, explosion in learning disabilities, but because the system needs everybody to be doing the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it is decreed, you must learn by the age of, to read by the age of six. And if you don't, there's all these terrible things that happen. Yeah. Well, those terrible things happen because the school needs you to read, not because you need you to read. It's, mm-hmm. it's you, you can't get along in the rest of it if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Yeah. But if nobody cared that you didn't learn to read then, if they just left you alone, let you play and go about your day and do other things, you will eventually learn to read. And and there's a, a wonderful um, uh, writer, a woman who runs a self-directed school in uh, Johannesburg in, in South Africa called Jana Clemens. And she writes and has done quite a bit of research on this. And some of it is posted at an organization called Free, F-H-R-E-E. Uh, dot org, I think it is. And, and even with work with, you know, Sibliar Dyslexia, that it, it works itself out. And, and I would say that that's what happened in my case. I I don't think that some system that anybody did with me is what suddenly got my, my brain to figure it out. I think it just needed a difference, a time. Right. You know, and I would say the same for my, for my second daughter, it was, it was time. And, and we, you know, this idea that we've all got the same clock is absurd.
0: It is absurd. It, it really is absurd. And, and that's exactly what it's, you know, the standard everyone has to fit into, you know, you, you have to fit into the schedule, the outcomes uh, within the schedule, within the timing and what you're learning. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it goes against the, the whole way of learning, the practice of learning mm-hmm. and being an individual. Absolutely. So I I would like you to talk about as well, you know, seeing kids through this way, what would that, how does that reflect for our future? What would that mean for mm-hmm. kids who go through the quote unquote system their own way, um, who, you know, who, I don't even know if I, they're not going through the system they're, I don't even know what to say, how to call that. They're,
1: yeah, they're partaking in things that are interested in them that the yeah, system has to offer. Exactly.
0: Right? And yeah. how, what does that look like for them after that, when they're out? And what does that look like for the rest of our society, if more we're doing that?
1: Well, I think it looks like a whole generation upon generation of people who know who they are. Hmm, right. Who?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Who have their, eh, together. You know, people that have got it together and know how to get things done, know how to make things happen, know what they want, know what they like, know how to communicate and collaborate, solve problems. Which just happen to be all the skills that the business world is saying that schools are not
0: providing right now. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because they're too busy covering
0: curriculum. They need creative they need creative ideas critical thinkers problem solvers innovators people who are able to shift and be flexible and yep. yeah it's not being supported in their first 17 years
1: no and then we wonder geez these kids they can't think of their way out of a paper box well they haven't had to they've been in a paper box <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they said here's how you know jump and y- your only answer is how high Right. Yeah. Now, I'm, you know, I'm I'm taking it to a bit to extremes because there's, of course, there are teachers that <clears throat> provide those opportunities, but it's not the norm. And there are schools that are outside of the box, but it's not the norm. You know, and I have a, a niece who's still in, in uh, high school, although she's now a free learner, so she's not in high school anymore. And I have an, another, her sister is in second year, third year university. And they both say, Auntie, if you think any of this is old news, you're wrong of my niece the elder one being told you can't go into chemistry you're not smart enough
0: hmm. right yeah things like that
1: like that, yeah. that, that somebody would just dare say that straight out to a, a four, 16, 16 year old
0: yeah. yeah yeah i i i've heard that and i know unfortunately i've heard that it's it's still happening yeah and i and i hope it yeah uh, this this would be a great change a great mover of change so then what do you see as any obstacles that you're facing that unschoolingschool.com or the, the entire, you know, the movement would be facing? I know you're giggling, but yeah. yeah I'm laughing because
1: <laughs> what obstacle? You mean well, many, many, many obstacles. I think the biggest obstacle, honestly, is that most people haven't, haven't yet woken up to the fact that learning is natural. Right that it's normal, that if you're breathing, you're learning. And and they have been convinced that we we must have this thing called school with curriculum and classes and teachers and obedience in order for children to become educated. Even though every one of those people could tell you the story about their Uncle Bob or their Auntie Flamia, who, you know, didn't go to school and was brilliant and did all these things. But it, it's just so ingrained in our society now that we we can't we, we have a hard time out seeing outside of it. So I think people, you know, that's the biggest obstacle and getting the general population uh, educated about what self-directed education is. You know, that Sudbury Valley School outside of Boston has been there for over fifty years. That the kids have gone on from them are, and are, you know, incredibly self-possessed and. The I, I, one of the quotes I love best from one from a, a book that um, one of the uh, students who was grown up now wrote, and he said, "A Sudbury Valley education, which is a, a self directed education, um, helps you live live an examined life." Hmm. And that that's further to your previous question: What would it look like if everybody lived an
0: examined life?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be, and I want to be on that
0: planet. Yeah, I do too. I absolutely do. It would be a different world than Mm -hmm. what we have. Yeah, it absolutely would be. So so
1: there are, there are, there there what I think the the estimation is is like almost 500 self-directed Sudbury type agile learning centers, um, free learning centers. I mean, these things that they're, they're all over the world and there's over 500 of them. There's over 500 worldwide. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Worldwide. Okay. So. We we don't have a ton in Canada. Um, you know, Windsor House in in uh, B C is probably the yeah. yeah. And is that still open? I thought that had recently
0: I, yeah, closed. Yeah, yeah,
1: I yeah, I think it has, and I'm not sure what's happening with COVID. Um, there's there's an elementary and a secondary Alpha school in Toronto, and they and they go a long way. Um, the fact that they're not together is is challenging because that's it's so important for kids to be in multiple ages, but at least, you know, the kids are really uh, self-directing their education. So that's wonderful. And it's in the public system in the U S there are many, many private um, versions. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, and we just don't have, I don't, we don't have very many here. We have some centers for teens and after school programs and things like that, that are very self-directed, but um you know, and that's one of the reasons we were going to start this. And I thought, you know what, one more example of this is not going to change everybody's mind. What we need is for individual people to start looking into, okay, how does the brain work? How does learning occur? Ask that question, Google it, and you will find out. It's not by sitting in a class and being lectured at, unless you really like that lecture. (laughs) (laughs) That's the caveat, interest and consent. Are paramount,
0: mm.
1: and and we don't we we don't think of it enough, and so that's what we we'd like to do is to is to help people to think about this, and spread the word and say you know it it doesn't have to be this way, and I think that the parents who either struggled struggled themselves, or were bored to tears you know it's not just the kids that it's kids on all over the place that school doesn't work for I me. Mean, some kids yeah. are like, why are they talking about this again? I get it. I get it. You know, and then other kids are, I don't get this at all because I don't care
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, or or, or this.
0: others getting in or like, I want something more. I want to go deeper. Yeah. I want yeah. to spend longer. Yeah.
1: It serves yeah. a very narrow range. And for those kids, fine. Oh. The, that, the, the regular system can continue to operate like that. But in each school, we should have a center for self-directed education. We should have a place where kids that are self-directing can meet when they're not in class and they should be able to dip in and dip out of the rest of the school environment. Mm. So you know very much like a like a community, a self-directed community center within each school.
0: Right. Doesn't cost
1: yeah. any more money.
0: That's Doesn't right. cost any more money. Yeah. Could ev-
1: could eventually save money.
0: Right. Because Absolutely.
1: you know the 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 ratio the student pupil ratio at, at the original Sudbury Valley School is a hundred kids, seven staff.
0: Hmm. Right.
1: And apparently they run at about half the cost of uh, public schools.
0: Yeah, I would I can see that. Yeah. They would they just have that much less human resources cost and overhead cost and Yeah.
1: Well, That's and great. it's partly because the kids take to, so much responsibility. You know, that the school is the schools are run democratically. So there's 100 kids and seven staff. Everybody gets one vote. Mm-hmm. The 4-year-olds get one vote, the 7-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, the 16-year-olds, the 40-year-olds and the 55-year-olds everybody gets one vote so there's a lot of ownership and involvement and so the, the the problems and issues and the management of behavior is minuscule compared to a regular a regular school
0: right and the school is that just more much more taken care of because everyone has ownership mm-hmm. so what what they go to what they what they're surrounded by they want to keep they want it to be well they yeah to keep yeah. well yeah
1: so on um, on the unschoolingschool.com website, we have a section called uh, resources, and we have something under the first tab it's, um, that we call the crash course. And it is a series of short videos that help explain self-directed education and why it's so powerful and what it is. And they're great because you can put them put one on and make dinner and have it in the background and you'll still you'll still get the idea of it. So there's three parts to that. And then there's some short articles as well, but we've really tried to make it accessible. And it's amazing the number of videos that are available um, that, that show in living color, what it looks like. When you give kids agency in their own lives,
0: right? Yeah, th- yeah, th- that's right. There is a lot of information research out there now that uh, supports it. And I know on the resources tab, you have like supporting, you know, educators, parents, homeschoolers, FAQs. There's a ton of information available. So if if I'm a parent that's listening to this now, and I'm like, you know what, this fits what we want to do, or we would like to try this. Where do we go first? So we go to unschoolingschool.com and mm-hmm. start reading and learning. And then what? If we're like we're on board, what's our next step?
1: Yeah. So as you said, that the first thing is to take the crash course and get yourself educated because you don't want to be going into something when you are not fully prepared. And then the next thing is to look under the free learner tab and read everything on there. And that has all the tools and the templates and the uh, free learner IEP and. Um, Q and A and all kinds of information there. Um, and then the other thing is to join the community. So we have a, an unschooling school Facebook group, um, and you can post questions and articles and ideas. And we have an open Zoom call at uh, 10 a.m. every Tuesday, and the link to that is on the website and on the um, unschooling uh, uh, school Facebook group too.
0: Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know you had that open Zoom call. Okay. So I I will include unschoolingschool.com in the show notes, as well as your Facebook page as well, so that parents can uh, have easy access to click and go straight there too. Great. That's great.
1: And, and on our website too, we have a um, who are we? And then we're here to help section where, you know, where people can join up on one side or the other. They can join up to help if there's somebody that's got a lot of experience in this area and want to be part of the team. Um, but if they go to the we're here to help, then there's a brief bio or brief introduction to everybody that's involved with this or the key sort of people and their contact information, so they can they can click and get and send an email directly to to one of those people who they think you know is most um, resonates most with what they're after.
0: Okay. So this is kind of looking at if, you know, if I'm a parent who does this and I feel like I need a bit of support, if something's come up that I need someone to talk to or debrief with, that's mm-hmm. who we can re- reach out to and connect with? Yep, exactly. So for, for anybody in Alberta right now,
1: that would be Marsha. <laughs> she's on the website. You can go find her, yeah.
0: <laughs> is she in Alberta?
1: She's in Alberta, yeah. So she's in Wetaskiwin.
0: Oh, okay. I'll have to contact Marcia. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, Fantastic. So you, okay. So especially for location, supporting location. So is this, okay. So then is this international or are you focusing just on Canada right now?
1: It is international. It's just kind of happened to be international. So, we, you know, we have the dairy, uh from UK on there, and we have quite a few people from the US. And um, we have a guy who is Argentinian living in Finland, who is now part mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the team and a woman in Mexico. Um, however, you know, my, the goal for me is to really get this started in, in Canada so that we can shine the light for the rest of the world. Right. You know, and if other if other people happen to pick it up and go faster, super. But, um, you know, in terms of our on the ground efforts, we're really, really trying to make this happen in Canada sooner than later.
0: I love it. I think, well, you know, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's um It's definitely one of the ideas where I can see people saying, but what about, but what if it's, but this is going to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: There's a lot of that. But we have answered all those questions on the website. Yes. So if they just go there, because we have a whole FAQ, which is full of all those first what if questions. And there is a, under the free learner tab, there's a big section on high school and the high school diploma. Right. you know, like the song says, high school, what is it good for? Uh, (laughs) so you can go and read that tab and see what we have to say about that.
0: Thank you, Heather. And I think the biggest thing is, is those, what about, what if that's exactly, it's disrupting. It is disrupting. And that's what is going to make it uncomfortable for some. And that's going to, you know, the, but, but, you know, because it is a disrupting, uh, it's a disrupting movement and, and, uh, I think it's, it has to happen.
1: Yeah. In disruptive times, we need disruptive solutions.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So is there anything you'd like to leave us with today? Any words of encouragement for parents or, um, yeah, any a question that comes up for you most often that you feel you would like to address before we sign out? You know, I think it is
1: trust kids, trust biology. Trust that you made these beautiful, perfect things and that you instilled in them the desire to learn and to figure life out. And if they don't always appear like that, it's because something within them, for example, if they're a teenager, has been shut down or turned off. But but if they're allowed to steer their own ship for a while, that, that joy of learning, that excitement will reignite. So just trust that trust that that's how we got here as a species. We're the we're the preeminent learning species. We're not the preeminent teaching species. It's learning, the ability to learn that that has made us dominant in the world.
0: Mm. Thank you. That is beautiful. And that's a wonderful reminder. Uh, I encourage everyone to go to unschooling.school.com and learn more read the FAQs, watch the videos and reach out and ask any questions if you do have them and want some further clarification. Thank you for joining me today, Heather. Thank you so much, Robin.